Okay, so Be'ezrus Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing and also ending with our series of Shirim on the teachings of Rav Yitzhak Meir Morgenstern Shlita. Now, I'm going to try and do something that I've never done before tonight, and that's kind of allow myself to be incredibly vulnerable in expressing how I'm feeling. It took me about the past week to determine whether or not I was going to continue teaching the Torah or my humble interpretation of the Torah of Avichemeyer, Shlita. And part of me would be capable and would be willing to drop everything and teach the Torah of Avichemeyer the rest of my life, quite frankly, to teach his Torah, to translate his Torah, to, to write his Torah. But on the other hand, I'm also aware that there's a lot more Torah to be taught. And in the small makom of malchus that I have for myself to be able to teach just a little bit, I wanted to make sure that the proper approach would be to teach either Rav Meyer's Torah, Adin Sof, or to, to move forward with other tzaddikim, both living and dead. And because I take these things seriously, not that I take myself seriously, I take these things seriously, because if these things can't be taken seriously, then I'm not sure what can be taken seriously. So waiting on my Rebbe's answer, on my teacher's answer, on my 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 Rebbe's answer, which I received, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes ago after waiting on it for a little bit. And so my decision is going to be that I'm going to finish off with teaching the Torah of Rav Shemaya Morgenstern, at least through this medium. And Bezos Hashem, starting next week, we're going to begin a new series of Shirim on the Torah of Rabbi Nachman, which is going to be titled Dancing on the Abyss. And Bezos Hashem, that's going to bring us into the world of Rabbi Nachman just a little bit, at least my own personal interpretation of the world of Rabbi Nachman. But what I want to try and speak about tonight is to try and close this chapter in my life and in anybody who's been willing to listen to me for the past nine weeks or the nine hours that we've spoken about Ravichemeyer, to to try and describe what this has been for me and, and what I feel this Sadik's Torah has the capacity to do. Now, the entire time, the, the singular hakdama that I've been able to give before teaching any of the Torah of Vichemeyer is that it is my interpretation of his Torah and not his Torah or what he means necessarily or what he's trying to say, but rather my own humble interpretation of what him and his Talmidim are trying to say. What I've come to find through interacting with different Talmidim and delving more and more into the Torah of Vichemeyer over the past two months or so, is that anything I thought I understood about Ravitramaya Morgenstern's Torah is a complete lack of understanding. That, yes, Ravitramaya has placed himself in Svarim, may Svarim Shonim, in thousands and thousands and thousands of pages, expressing his system, his way of looking at the world, his way of reaching back to Arsinai, to the Darg of Moshe Rabbeinu through the Darg of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, through the teachings of the Arizal, through the teachings of the Baal Shem through the teachings of Rabbi Nachman, and all of the tzaddikim who are connected to those different bechinos, to those 
five singular tzaddikim who came into the world, those five yichide hadoros who came to draw down the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world, and everybody who's associated in one way or another, Ravichemeyer has reached deep into the past and pulled it into the present for us. He has opened up in front of our generation, and our generation daika, specifically our generation. concept of daika is going to be something that we speak about before we enter into the Shiram on Rabbi Nachman, because Rabbi Nachman uses the phrase daika as almost a hermeneutical key to his entire system, in my humble opinion. That's that, that powerful specifically, almost as if to say that you think that this place would be devoid of light, or you think that this point in time would be devoid of holiness. But it's daika here that you can find holiness. It's specifically here, the counterintuitive specifically, which tells us that not only is our human logic faulty, but it's specifically in those dark pockets where we feel that light cannot enter. It's specifically there that HaKadosh Baruch has chosen to place the deepest pockets of energy and light. And it's specifically in our generation that we've been zolcha to the light of many tzaddikim, but at this moment in my life, I'm a kusher to the light of Rav Morgenstern, that this Torah that we taste from the Am HaChachma, from the sea of wisdom, from the almost infinite sea of the Torah, that our generation is, is for whatever reason, singularly unique to, to be mekabelit, to to have these writings coming out so ferociously, to get weekly emails with 80, 90 pages of new Divrei Torah that Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern expresses or shares, Bishas Ravadaravin, Chalashudis, and Pirushim on, on the Sefer of Torah's Chacham, Alpidar Ha'avoida, and going through the entirety of Shulchan Orach from the beginning to the end through Pnimius meshed together with Chitzonia Satara, the Nigla and the Nister being mityached together from Perushim on Masechda Shlemos on Masechas Megillah on Masechas Nedarim on Masechas Brachos on Masechas Sanhedrin. Ideas that have never been written before and that will most likely never be written again except through that base medrash. That our generation has been uniquely gifted with the opportunity to drink from the Am HaChachma, to drink from the Sea of Wisdom. Now, again, I want to stress very strongly that this is not unique, obviously, to the Torah of Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern, because what do I know? But in my humble opinion, there's something unique about the Torah of Ravitchemeyer. And, and, and delving deeply into the sugyos and descending deeply into what I felt were nine particular sugyos, and Bezus Hashem tonight is also going to be part of that, these nine particular sugyos, which I feel serve, at least in my humble understanding of the Evan HaShesiyah, the cornerstone of how I understand the Torah of the Am HaChachma, of Rav Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern Shlita, that these nine sugyos are not only sugyos that discuss the upper realms of experience. They're not only the sugyos that discuss the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu interacts with the Jewish people and with the world, in times of light and in times of dark, in times of godless and in times of godless. But they're ideas that descend from the loftiest heights down to the limit, down to the lowest possible darga, where the light of infinity can still be found. That for Avicimayr, it's not enough for the Torah to remain in Atzilus, 
It's not enough for the Torah to remain in a realm of yichud. The Torah needs to descend out of that infinity of yichud and force its way into pirud, force its way into separation and distinction and concealment and suffering and darkness and fear and all of the anxieties that each and every Jewish individual in our generation feels. We need to take the Torah of Atzilus, we need to take that supernal Torah where it's revealed clear and present how HaKadosh Baruch Hu animates everything, even the Hastara, even the Hastara Shabbosaycha Hastara, that Bevadai Sham Nimsa Hashem Yisbarach, that it's abundantly clear to the Tzadikim that when you draw down the Torah of Atzilus down into the worlds of separation, down into the worlds of Pira, down into that place where all things seem to go bump in the night, and fear overcomes the individual. It's specifically there that the Torah has its job to do. It's specifically there that Panemius HaTorah, that the inner interiority of Torah, the Razin de Razin of Kabbalah, the secrets within the secret that the Baal Shem Tov came to reveal to the world, the Rabbi Nachman came to the world to reveal. It's specifically those ideas which need to find a dwelling place within the lowest regions of our lives. And what Ravitchmeyer has done throughout all of the sugyos that I've tried to show is to show that infinity or ain't sofiyut or that which is perfect or that which is whole or that which is light and all of the different synonyms that we use to describe that state where things are calm and good and comfortable. It's not enough for them to remain in their comfortable space, but they need to descend into discomfort. They need to descend into fragmentation because when the light descends into darkness and when the whole descends into the part and when Atsilas descends down into the worlds of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya and when the Yichud descends down into the world of Pirud and when the infinite descends down into the world of the finite, what the infinite does and what the light does and what Kedusha does and what the whole does is that it's not satisfied by just being present in the darkness. It's not satisfied by just having a new garment to engarb itself in to show that I could also garb myself in darkness and still retain my light. But rather what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to do through himself and through his Torah of Yachol is to show that even the darkness is light. That even the gvul is built gvul. That even the finite is infinite. That even the kli is or. That all of those things which seems, that seem to be antonyms to Kedusha that seem to work against Kedusha, that seem to proclaim the opposite of the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we can force all of those experiences, all of those particulars to become the mouthpiece of Kedusha, so that the darkness itself screams out the Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's specifically there where the Torah takes on the greatest crown that it can grasp, which is that Or of Keser that place where Ain and Yesh dance together, where something and nothing, the infinite and the finite, are no longer contradictory to one another in the sense that one needs to make room for the other, nor are they even paradoxical to one another where both uphold the other. But what Ravit pushes us to through his writings is to a place even higher than that, the place that he refers to as Reisha Delo Isyada, based on the writings of the Rashash and the Arizal, where Ain and Yesh remain different, 
yet their difference bespeaks and reveals a unity that is greater than difference. It reveals a place where all differences, in spite of the fact that they're in opposition to one another, scream out the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now what I'm trying to say is as follows. It's all too easy to look at the Svarim HaKadoshim, to look at our holy books and to find trends or themes that say light can descend into darkness and it can transform darkness into light. But at the end of the day, when you look at the full picture, the darkness that was there previously is no longer darkness. It's now been forced to reveal itself as light. That's not what Rav is saying. Rav is not teaching us that darkness becomes light when you shine the light on it. Rav is teaching us how to hold the darkness, how to hold on to the gvul, how to hold on to the concept of difference, even while you're in a space of unity, even while you're in a space of light. Because if the darkness is nullified, as if it never existed when a person goes back to the light, if Choshech is shown to have never existed because it was really just a different expression of light, so then it's still not such a chiddush. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has not revealed Kavyachol his true capacity of infinitude because the darkness has been forced to become light. But when the darkness itself is allowed to exist in and of itself within the space of light, that darkness, that memory of the darkness, that awareness of the fact that there's limitation and constriction and concealment in the world at large, as well as within each and every individual, the prate prate, within each and every particular heart according to its own understanding, that darkness, that concealment, that difficulty, that yagiya, that need for overcoming, that need for movement, that need for intensification of the self to overcome that which stands against it, perpetually serves as a clee or a vessel to reveal more and more light. So that the light that we experience prior to descending into the darkness is forced to overcome itself over and over and over and over ad infinitum. To the point that no matter how high a person goes on their spiritual rung, there will always remain a memory of the darkness. There will always remain a memory of concealment, not because concealment is the opposite of light, but because concealment and darkness is the vehicle through which light is revealed in the world. Not to nullify the darkness, but to give space to the darkness, to give space to the clea to give space to the worlds, to give space to difference, to give space to the halal hapanwi. Because prior to the creation of the world, koidem shebara sa'olam, hayaor hakadosh baruch hu ein sof. The light of hakadosh baruch hu was infinite. But without anything pushing against it, that light of the infinite was not forced to overcome its own self-imposed boundaries. Light was light and nothing else was there. When darkness emerges and it creates and it forces the light to concede to limitation, the limitation itself is what forces the light to overcome itself over and over and over and over again, perpetually showing more and more light each and every level that a person comes to. So that when I feel that I've reached the apex, 
when I feel that I've reached the limit level of what Kedusha can comprehend in the world, I then remember my chisaron, I then remember the fact that there's darkness in the world, and then I have a new opportunity to bring more light out. And then when I reach the level of the apex of that experience, I remember again that I'm a choymer and that I'm filled with human rootedness in this world, which forces me to reveal more light. So Ravichemeyer Morgenstern Shlita allows us to experience the light of Yichud, the light of unity, the awareness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is ever-present at every single moment, even within the Hester, Shabbosaycha Hester, yet nevertheless, he also keeps you stuck in this world. He also reminds you that you're part of this world. Never allowing the individual who learns to svar improperly, in my humble opinion, to remove themselves from this world. To feel as if this world is over in battle, as if there's nothing more for it to teach us. Because it's specifically down here in the lowest regions, the dira betachtonim mamish, the lowest level, that limit point where the light of infinity is stretched so thin that it's almost impossible to see our Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence. It's specifically there that it is our job to show that the infinite is still present and it's infinitely present. So what Ravitchemeyer has done, and this is a story that he repeats over and over and over, that the Mitla Rebbe writes in Shara Yuchad Vemuna that at the end of the Magad of Mezrich's life, he stopped thinking so much about the elevated planes. He stopped thinking so much about the Olamos HaElyonim about the Ein Sof, about the infinite. And he started talking about the finite. He started talking about the Gavul. He started talking about limitation. He started talking about concealment and darkness. Because he was Zoichet to be Masig, the level of Yichud Tata, the lower unity, says the Mitla Rebbe. And Rav always asks, he says, isn't Yichud Tata, isn't the lower unity of Baruch Shem Kavod Machus that ability to see the presence of HaKadosh Baruch in darkness, isn't that a lower level than the Yichud Ilah, than Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, which says that everything is over and battle klape HaKadosh Baruch and everything is unified in the greatest level of unity possible? So what Chiddush is it? What godless is there that at the end of his life, the, the Magad of Mezrich started meditating on the Yichud Tata? Adarabah, Ibcha Mestabra. He should have been focusing more on the Yichud Ilah. But Ravitchemeyer shows, and this becomes the cornerstone, at least in my humble opinion of what he's been trying to say, or what I've been trying to share through the writings of Ravitchemeyer, is that it's specifically in the lower level of the Yichud Tata. It's specifically when the light goes out. It's specifically when the candles no longer burn. And all that's left is that residual oil that stains the hands. It's specifically there that when a person is capable of seeing the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or not seeing the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, being ma'amin in the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, having emuna in the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's on a certain level, a higher level than seeing the ultimate unity, la'asid lavo. That like the Balatani teaches us, that the Balatani teaches in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, that halavai, it should only be that in the time that the Beis HaMikdash is built, that I should grasp you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way I grasped you in exile. Because there's a certain potency to exile. 
There's a certain potency to the worlds of separation, to the worlds of Bria, Yitzira, and Atsia, to the concept of Tzimtzum, or Kalim, or darkness, or the Mesach, or that partition that blocks the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. And all of these concepts, what they mean, at least from me, or for me, is it means all of the darkness that a person can possibly conceive of in the world. From the most minimal amount of concealment to the highest level of concealment, lev yodea maras nafsho, and now the lev ha'am yodea maras nafsho. It's specifically in those recesses that when we reveal the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not to nullify the darkness, but to see the darkness and live in that darkness and say, Hashem, this is you also, the level of yichud that emerges afterwards is the level of keser, is the level of reshid lo isyada. It forces us to acknowledge that at the end of the day, we know absolutely nothing. We think Hashem is found in light and not in darkness. We think Hashem is found in the infinite and not in the finite. Ultimately, the goal is to come to a place of Rashid Lo Isyada where we realize that we know absolutely nothing and the only thing that we can possibly ever do in relation to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to have Emunah in Him. Is to have another shtick emuna to grasp or swallow down another slight piece of emuna, another taste of emuna. And when that emuna becomes yadia, and when that place of not knowing or those spakos or that willingness to be moser nefesh for the light of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, in spite of the fact that all things seem to speak the opposite, when that becomes rational and we're able to say, "Wow, Hashem is really here," the goal is to move away from yadia and come back to a place of emuna. Emuna is not just a hechatimsa, it's not a, a secondary bidyevid way of connecting to Akadush Baruch Hu. it's the main vehicle through which we connect to Akadush Baruch Hu. If there were clarity in the world, if there were no darkness in the world, if there were no concealment in the world, if there was no limitation in the world, there would be no need for human beings to exist. The entire purpose of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's creation was in order to find a dwelling place within the lowest possible conceivable place, at the limit level. To, when people test cars, I read this from Rav Steinzolt a long time ago, Rav Steinzolt a long time ago, and I've never forgotten it, that when testing a car to see its veracity, to test the capacity of the car, you're not going to test it against the smooth highway. You're not going to see how far that car can drive without any distraction or interruption or breakage. What you're going to do is you're going to try and find the lowest possible place wherein the car can still function normally. Because the lower you can go, the lower you can find that the car still functions, the higher the capacity of the car to function. That's what Ravit Shemayar is coming to teach. That the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so high and so lofty and so infinite that it has the capacity of manifesting itself and remaining itself even within the lowest recesses of our conception. And this is what Ravit Shemayar lives on a daily basis. Every Talmud that I was Ochet to speak to, Every individual I was ochet to come close to through this process of coming close to the tzaddik, which should Be'ezra Hashem only continue. That even though I'm not going to be teaching his Torah anymore, explicitly in this context, Be'ezra Hashem, I'm going to be translating his Torah and remaining in contact with his Torah on a daily basis. Everything that I've heard is that no matter what you conceive of, of this tzaddik's Torah, 
you need to see how this tzaddik functions in order to understand where this Torah is coming from. The one Mida that's spoken about most often when it comes to people who speak about Ravichamaya Morgenstern Shlita is his hispatlus and his anava, his ability to not be bothered by anything that anybody does. Nothing begins to be an interruption for this person. The light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be found by the most broken individual or by the most pristine individual. I had the schus of speaking to his tamidim, tamidim that, that, I'm, ready to, that I'm ready to learn th- by at, at their feet the rest of my life. Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld Shlita. Tzadikim. They can't even utter a word about their Rebbe. They can't utter a word about the godless of this individual. He should live and be well till 120. The mida that everybody speaks about is the anava and the hispatlus. Nothing interrupts this individual. He is bidvekus tamid. That means good, bad, ugly, beautiful, up, down, light, darkness. It's all shove. It's all equalized. There's a shivayon. There's a, an equanimity that sees all things as being but the reflection of the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything begins to be an opportunity for a person to grab hold of concealment and to force it to reveal light. There is no concealment so strong that it blocks the ability to disclose more light. There's something that I came across this past Shabbos when my father was in town, and I credit being able to find this to my father being in town. But it's from Tafshin Ayin Aleph in Yam HaChachma. Rav writes as follows, describing the avoda of the Arizal, describing the distinction between the Arizal and the Ramak, because based on previous Mekubalim, in particular the Ramamipanao and the Ramaz, writes this in his Hakdama and to Otsros Chaim, and there's arguments about it, the Rebbe Rashab has a tshuva about it, and Rav Moshe Shlita has a very beautiful way of understanding this concept. Nevertheless, the typical perception is that the Ramak, Rav Moshe Kordavaros, the Rebbe of the Arizal, the Rosh HaMekubalim prior to the Arizal, and on a certain level even after the Arizal in particular, Sagios, that the Ramak spoke in the world of Tohu, that the Ramak spoke in the world of chaos, of disorder, of particular points that are no longer unified in a whole. And when a person looks at the writings of the Ramak, especially Pardis Rimonim, what it is, it's more of a shita mikubetzes. It's more of a collection of different opinions about what the different mikubalim throughout the generations saw or said. And the Ramak serves as a space to collect all of these opinions and to be magdi or the proper way of looking at it. And that's associated with the world of Tohu because it's distinction and it's not this unity of the holographic parts of, as we'll see. But the Arizal is the world of Tikkun. The Arizal is the world of rectification. The Arizal is the world where you take all the particulars and all of the distinctions and all of the separateness and you see how they give birth to a parts of HaKoleles that is greater than the sum total of its parts. And that's a typical distinction. But what Ravit writes as follows, and this is in the Sugya and the Maimur and his parish on the 72-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Olam Chesed Yibane, based on a beautiful Maimur, on a beautiful Sefer called Ayin Beis Yedios, 72 concepts written by the Ramami Pano anything we spoke about, the different Sadiqim that are very fundamental in the worldview of Rav Itchemeyer, the Vilnagon, the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Nachman, the Tarish Chacham, the Rashash, Rav Aaron Halevi of Strashelia, 
the Kamarna Rebbe's Chosyogenolenu, all of the different Sadiqim, the Balasulam. What I failed to mention was the Ramami Pano. Romi Pano's writings and exhaustive writings are so difficult and so profound that they've always been respected, but Ravitchemeyer, more than probably anybody alive today, has made a system out of the writings of the Romi Pano. And Ravitchemeyer writes as follows, and this is going to be in Tafshin Ayin Aleph, Taf 826. He says as follows, Ba'ach Rabbeinu Ha'arizal, Arebi di Arizal, Shagiloi Soides hat Simsum, who taught us the secrets of the tzimtzum and the secrets of the partsuf and the secrets of the particular ways that the different partsuf and the different ways that HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself and conceals himself in the world. All of these drushim, according to all the machabrim, the ikr chiddush haniskar demalas kaya hagvul, the ikr chiddush of the Arizal, according to Ravitchemeyer, is that he teaches us the maila the elevated status that can be found specifically in a place of concealment, specifically in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ability to reveal himself within constriction, within limitation, and within measurement. And it's specifically through limitation that we have the capacity of disclosing and revealing the infinity of the non-limited in a deeper way than can ever have been imaginable. That without the descent into concealment, then the infinitude of the unlimited could have never been fully understood. It's only by way of the darkness and by way of concealment that the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be forced to express itself in the deepest possible way that in order to overcome distinction and limitation and concealment, the infinite Kavyachal HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to show that even the finite and the gvul are nothing but expressions of the infinite. This is the Iker Chiddush of the Arizal, according to Ravit Shemayar. V'hainu ma'alas hakelim, the elevated status of the vessels above and beyond light. The profound, counterintuitive, and redemptive nature of this concept cannot be overstated. What Ravitchemeyer is stating explicitly is that the Arizal's purpose was to show that limitation can express unlimitedness in a deeper way than the unlimited can. That darkness can express light in a stronger, potent way than light itself can. It's specifically the vessels that have the capacity of disclosing the light of the infinitude in a deeper way. This in and of itself is the tikkun. We're so confused and we're so confounded by what tikkun means, by what it means to fix something. Ravitchamaya is saying that when you recognize deep within the concealment that it's also an expression of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or the darkness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that the binary oppositions of light and dark are simply human conceptions, and that darkness bespeaks the light of godliness as much as light does, and that the kalim and the constriction of this world and all of the difficulties that emerge from there, down to and including all of the broken, horrific things we experience in a day-to-day, moment-to-moment level, all of those bespeak the simple unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is ever-present without any distinction whatsoever. 
שיכול להשתמש עם הכלים באופן שעל יד המסגל האור תפיימי בראשונה. That a person learns through the writings of the Arizal how to engage with the concept of kalim, how to engage with the concept of kilion, with destruction and separation and concealment in a way that it reveals the light in a greater way than it was revealed beforehand. As, as it has been explained at length within Taras HaChasidus, how many different delicate upon delicate conceptions and contemplative stances are we forced to engage with by recognizing darkness and the light that emerges out of darkness? In order to come through them, how to see how all distinction and all separation and all concealment and all brokenness and all suffering and all things that seem to be speak the opposite of godliness, all of that are simply ways that we can come to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the greater way. What Rav Itchemeyer writes here about the Iker Chiddush of the Arizal, in my humble, the humblest of humble opinions, with the necessity of the Sheminah Shebeshminah of Gaiva, of Zeus Hanukkah, the eighth of the eighth nights, to enable myself to say that this is the Chiddush of Rav Itchemeyer himself. The Chiddush of Rav Itchemeyer is to show how it's specifically in darkness itself that we're forced to show more light. And so when it comes to the question of what I feel is the contemporary significance of the writings of Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern, if I had to sell it, or the philosophical and spiritual benefits that might emerge from the study of the writings of Rav Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern, if I had to sell it to somebody even further away from the light of the tzaddik. The contemporary significance is that Rav Meyer allows us to contemplate the spaces of concealment, the places of hiddenness in our lives, the places where the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu seems so different and so distant, and so concealed and so removed to the point that it's almost impossible to conceive of how the light of infinity can be found here. Rav Torah teaches us that it's all part of the Amha It's all part of the singular sea of divine wisdom that contains both particularity and the general, both light and darkness, both infinite and finite. And that both of them are not in contradiction to one another, but rather they both dance together to disclose the deepest level of unity, that level of Reisha Delo that place where we're able to take and elevate this broken world that we live in, the Malchus Sheba Malchus, the presence of presence where we find ourselves in 2019, and to say to ourselves that this presence this doubtful, frightening concealment of darkness and nighttime that we find ourselves in is rooted in the darkness and concealment of the infinite, which due to its profound level of light can only be perceived by way of darkness. That our knowledge can only be disclosed by way of doubts because of how deeply profound it is. What Ravitch is teaching us is that it's specifically in this world that we have the ability of revealing HaKadosh Baruch Hu more, specifically in our generation, that we have the ability of disclosing HaKadosh Baruch Hu even more. And to end with where we began, Rabbi Meir, the Tana Rabbi Meir, who no one in his generation was capable of grasping the depth of his wisdom, the Rabbi Yudah Hanasi was only capable of beholding his wisdom of Torah Shvalpeh by seeing the Achor, by seeing the 
back of the head of Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir, Mashiach Apenu, Ruach Apenu, Mashiach Hashem, Rosh Tevos Meir, that Rebbe Meir, the Rebbe Meir who we daven with whenever we've lost something, whenever we feel that we can't find something, Eloikai de Rebbe Meir Aneni, the Rebbe Meir who was able of saving Acher, of pulling Acher out of Gehenna, the Rebbe Meir who is capable of looking at the Memtesh Shari Tuma and saying there's Memtesh Shari Tara here. The Rebbe Meir who ignored the fact that in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah, it writes Katniss Or with an Ayin, representing the fact that after the sin of the Eitzadas Tovarah, Adam and Chava were clothed in the human body of suffering and difficulty and concealment. Chazal tell us that in the Torah of Rebbe Meir, that word or with an ayin, which represents all difficulty and concealment, it was written with an aleph. He revealed that mishka dechivya, that garment of impurity that human beings were forced to engage with, and he showed the light within it. That Torah of Rabbi Meir, that's the Torah of Ravitchemeyer. Ravitchemeyer is forcing us down into the depths of darkness in his writings albeit it might be referred to as Koyach HaGvul, or Tzimtzum, or the worlds of Bria Yitzir and Asiyah, or Doubt, or the Sveikos Dereshel Isida, or Halbasha, or Kalim, whatever you want to read, wherever you read in the writings of the Am HaChachma, it's Rav who's showing us that it's specifically there that a person is capable of revealing Or. And like we said, the name Yitzchak Meir, that Yitzchak will shine, Yitzchak Avinu, the Av of Gevura, the Av of Pachad, the representative marker of difficulty and concealment in the world, of Dinim, of Gevuros, of all things that go bump in the night, of all things that frighten us. It's specifically Yitzchak, who l'asid lavo, as Chazal tell us on Dav Peites and Masech Shabbos, that when a Kaddish Baruch Hu comes to the Avos HaOlam to redeem his people, to redeem his children, he's going to come to Avram Avinu and say, Avram Avinu, it's come time to save your children. How do you speak for them? Avram Avinu, whatever this means, is going to say, my kids? Not my kids. They're your kids. I'm sorry. Avram Avinu is going to say, they're not my kids. Yaakov Avinu is going to say, I have nothing to do with them. I can't speak for them. It's specifically Yitzchak Avinu is going to come along and say to Kaddish Baruch Hu, hold on, my children? They're not my children that you're coming to save. They're your children. And if you have a problem with that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'll take half and you take half. And at that point, B'nai Yisrael are going to open up in unison and say, Ki ata avinu. Yitzchak, you are our father. That midah of Gevura, those midos of dinim, those things where we felt most concealed from you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's specifically there that we're going to show that we had the greatest connection to you. Specifically in the depths of Galus. Specifically in the lowest regions of the Kayach HaGvul. That's what the Torah of Ravitchemeyer is coming to teach us. And Ravitchemeyer is Yitzchak Meir, that it will be a laughter of Vetitzchak Leomacharon, the smile of the tzaddik, the smile that knows so deeply that everything that appears to be dark is also light. That's not his own light, it's a light that comes from Rabbi Nachman and the Balshemtov and the Arizal and Rashbi and Moshe Rabbeinu and Akadosh Baruch Hu. To summarize, we're going to be finishing with the Shirim of Ravitchemeyer for now in this series.
based on the eights of my Rebbe. Nevertheless, everything I continue to teach and anybody who's willing to continue listening to me, it's also going to be seen through the lens of Ravichamayr. From the beginning of the Shirim, from the Shirim on Rav Kook, and the Shirim on the Leshem, and the Shirim on Addiction, and the Shirim on the Sphiros, and the Shirim on Ishbitz and Radzin, and the Shirim on Ravichamayr Morgenstern, it's all through my conception of the Torah of the Am HaChachma. My conception of this Tzaddik's Torah. And Bezros Hashem will continue to carry us through the teachings of Nachman and wherever we go to next. But there shouldn't be a siyum in the sense that I'm saying goodbye to the Torah of Vichemayr, but it should be a hamshacha where I'm no longer speaking the osios of Vichemayr, but I'm connecting myself in an even deeper way to the Torah of the Tzaddik and bringing it with me and whoever's willing to listen to me in the next series of teachings that we begin next week, Bezras Hashem. So for everyone who has followed me in this series of teachings, this has been different than anything else that I've ever done, any other teaching that I've done. It's very difficult for me to move away from teaching this. Very difficult. It's easier because I have a Rebbe who's eight be Makabel. But nevertheless, we're going to, Ezra Hashem, start teaching, or start sharing the Torah of Or HaOros, the Light of Lights, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, Rabbi Nachman Ben Fega. Rabbi Nachman ben Fega, Rabbi Nachman ben Fega, Rabbi Nachman ben Fega, who will Be'ezrus Hashem help me and anybody who's willing to listen to me move forward just a little bit and continue moving forward.